Oh, well, welcome again uh, for joining us in these rather unorthodox, but are rapidly becoming more regular and the new normal circumstances. Uh, my name is Daniel Gardner. This is another instalment of Witch Car Weekly. And I'm, of course, joined by those fabulous fellows, Andy Enright and Scott Newman, have, who have some kind of editor or sub-editor or, I don't know, some kind of responsibilities for various magazines. We're not really that concerned about that. What we're most concerned about is catching up on the things that interested us most over the last automotive week gentlemen thank you again for, for being uh with me with in inverted commas uh thanks to the magic of um video interviews that's all right if i look if i keep looking down it's because i have my dog next to me and he wants lots of cuddles and i better oh well, it's in. customary for you to bring a pet isn't it and he's it normally got one of his thousands of cats so it's nice of you to bring a dog this time yeah and if i don't if i don't pat him he'll probably bark so we don't want that he hasn't got a lot to say about the automotive world but uh he'll he'll be right all right today we wanted to kick off we had, a, we had an idea a couple of weeks ago which i thought was a fabulous idea we're often talking about performance cars and what we would buy as journalists but the th the caveat in all that is that journalists don't make much money so when we say we would buy what we mean is if you gave us your money we would <laughs> irresponsibly buy the fastest thing that your budget allows. so this is the theory the idea is we've got 30 grand, which is still a lot more than any of us have got put together. Um, but that's, I suppose that's regarded as, you know, an affordable car is around about the 30 grand mark. So the challenge was set to all of us, 30 grand, you've got to buy a car and then you have to modify it to make it the perfect performance car within the budget. I love this idea. This is, this is where we're all going to get now obviously nice. points for, for creativity and points also for being completely bloody stupid as well. Um, who are we going to, who's going to kick this off? I just cannot wait. I know you guys are both going to have bloody good suggestions. <laughs> well, I feel like if, since it was kind of Andy's idea, maybe Andy should lead the train, so to speak. Okay. Um, I am going to go with something that I hadn't thought of before. Um, I was out driving with the editor of, of Motor Magazine, actually, Dylan Campbell. And um, we were on an Audi A5 launch, and sorry, an Audi Q5 launch, and we were driving along an interminable uh, gravel trap in the Courant. And I said, I said to Dylan, I said, if you lived at the end of this gravel road, what would you buy? And I thought he'd say some sort of SUV, some sort of four-wheel drive thing. And he just looked at me and he said, ah, oh, I'd have a Toyota 86 in rally spec. And I suddenly just was just taken with this idea, shamelessly stolen from Dylan, but... <laughs> of like a 20 grand beta Toyota 86 on rally suspension, cheap knockoff style rally suspension and tires, um, put some red mud flaps on it, you'd be good <laughs> to go. And that would be just such a great thing because the problem is with building your own cars is they inevitably get faster and faster and faster and they become too fast for the road. I've done, I've built a few sort of sports cars, but and they become, what start out as beaters, they become quite precious to you as well. But if, if you had a car like that, you could take it on any number of dirt roads where no one's looking at you, and you could have a huge amount of fun in it at 60 kilometers an hour. It would, it would be enormous fun. It would be pretty rugged as well. Um, it would be a car you wouldn't get too precious about. Um, and it would just be the most fun you could have, I think. I don't think there's anything anyone could deny. That's absolutely true. But that's Dylan's car. 
So what's yours? <laughs> no, I, I, I've appropriated it from Dylan. Dylan. I, have a few, I have a few things on this. Uh, what, number one on this, uh, I can now cross off the card that's on the top of my list because my <laughs> number one list was Toyota 86 with s- s- some suspension wheels <laughs> and tyres. Um, I've been lucky enough to drive that very vehicle. Rally school um, built a couple to allow punters to have a thrash around in and they let me drive it. And I can tell you that the reality lives up to the hype. That's really the case in life, but in this case it did. Um, the weak point was probably the diff. So you put, you put a diff in there because once you put, um, you start lifting wheels and stuff like that and a bit of race suspension, you start the torsum diff starts to open wheel a bit, which is annoying. Um, so you could always just weld it up if you want to be cheap. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you, Andy. Uh, anyone out there, free plug to this bloke in the US, uh, lifted, lifted BRZ on Instagram. He has essentially done exi- exactly this. He's jacked up a BRZ, put rally tyres on it, good suspension, and does massive drifts and jumps and drives it through mud and everything. It would be about as good as automotive, or as motoring could get, and not very expensive. Yeah, yeah. That, right. that's, what, that's what appeals to me, that it... Uh, for, well, I raise you then. I raise you. So this, you've both basically opened proceedings with a, a form of Toyota 86. Uh, so I'm going to do almost exactly the same thing, but completely different. I'm Subaru BRZ. Okay. So technically I haven't picked the same model. Um, <laughs> but this time I'm not going rally spec. I'm going circuit spec. Yeah. Um, in a way that you're probably not expecting. So what a lot of people say is obviously the BRZ and the 86 needs a turbo. Not going to go that way because, you know, in the right hands, momentum is everything. Um, so what I would do is I would create the car that we were, we were teased and we never got. I'd weld a full cage into it and then I would chop the roof off. So then we get the convertible that we wanted, the Toyota 86 convertible, which looked fantastic. Uh, and apparently they nearly made, but never did. But of course, you know, if you chop the roof off and you haven't correctly developed the car, then it would just fall into two halves. Uh, so you put the cage in so that it doesn't. So you get open air, wind in the hair enjoyment, ultimate track car, um, and it doesn't fall in half. Perfect. Have you just invented be... a Mazda MX-5? <laughs> Essentially, yes. yes. <laughs> I do wonder about your budget, though, Dan. Because so a decent a decent eighty six, oh, a decent BRZ is probably about sixteen or seventeen, and then a, ca- a decent cage is probably eight. Um, you, yeah, you're not going to have a lot left over to circuit spec. No, though. no. See, decent TIG welder, five hundred bucks. Yes. Okay. And are you, are you a are you a a skilled welder? Are you? <laughs> Are you, gonna, are you gonna pass skilled through? Skilled pushing it. I'm a welder. I'm a welder of sorts. I wouldn't okay. say skilled exactly. You're not fair talking enough. FIA specs here. But you know, I'm not going racing it. I'm just going for a drive. You know, well, I don't have to enough. fulfill any requirements. Uh, I have another sensible. I have another sensible. I have two two more suggestions. One's a sensible. One's one's a bit silly. Um, perhaps not as silly as. Oh no! Are we actually supposed to have sensible ones? Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> oh well, someone's got to be sensible on this podcast. I'm trying to play tug of war with my dog, so he doesn't bark. Um, so <laughs> then a Magan, Magan RS two six fives, two RS two fifties, yada yada yada, are quite cheap. Good one from twelve to about fifteen, um, and just leave it a little, a little remap. Some sticky rubber, good brakes. You have then a, like a Porsche smashing circuit car 
or for a run through the twisties. Like not a lot is going to keep up with a properly fettled uh, Magan RS, Magan 3. That was the third generation, wasn't it? Second generation. Anyway, you know the one I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, with a few choice mods, uh, that will be a very, very fast car with change from 30 grand, I reckon. Ah, yeah, that's, that sounds like a front very, very good car. Yep, yep, you can, you can have fun in a front driver, especially one with the rear end that's as mobile as one of those Megans. They're exactly, exactly. Really a bit of, you know, a bit, of, a bit of a geometry tweak, a bit of suspension tweakery, I reckon that would be a really cool car. My other um, somewhat less serious suggestion is uh, I'm going to take my R31 and give it a valuation of, probably a generous valuation of about $2,000, so now I've got $28,000 to spend on it. Uh, and I'm going to put a V8 in it and put some good suspension in it and uh, just cut sick, basically. That's more like it. That's what we're looking for. Excellent. Glad we've got the true Scott coming out now. That's right. I just, I just love a V8 R31. It's just, I need to happen. It needs to happen somehow. People have done it, actually. There's a couple of actually around at the moment with um, uh, LS1s in them, I think. Um, but yeah, there you go. Bloody so, hell. That would be a handful. That would be... Isn't that sacrilegious, slightly, you know, putting something that... Yeah, you know, see, I've always go... wanted to put a um, Nissan V8 in it, a VQ45, just to keep it in the family. But I suppose, you know, the R31's sort of an Australian car, so why not have a... Maybe it should have a 308 in it then. I don't know. Never late in a 308. <laughs> Barra. Barra <laughs> yeah. all the way. Someone's done that. Someone's already done it. It's for sale at the moment. Of Someone's course a, they have. Put a Barra in an R31. Have. But good. <laughs> but someone's put a barra in their bike you know that's, that's true every single car that's ever been invented because australia yeah. <laughs> all right is that so who who won that round i'll give it to dan i'm gonna say dan wins that for inventiveness okay how about this then 20 oh. grand can get you um a nissan 370z these days low low kilometers well looked after Listen, 370Z, Barra. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the look on that poor Japanese engineer's face when he, he slaved for months to make the, you know, 50.5, 49.5 weight distribution on that car, whatever it is. And then yeah. you go and stick an iron block straight six hanging over the front end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the weight distribution suddenly becomes 75, 25. <laughs> <laughs> but it becomes better because of the Barra. All right. Well, I've got one more then. Um, okay. And this is very sensible now, very sensible, perhaps more, it's quite out of character from a sensibility point of view. Now, obviously all the cars we've talked about so far to fit the budget will have to be used cars, but we all know that as soon as you see this car, it starts to go wrong a lot more than it would if you just left it alone. So what I'm going to do is start with a new car, therefore guaranteeing reliability for the duration of my purposes. Um, and that's why I'm going to buy a brand new Suzuki Ignis. And then I'm going to spend $14,000 on a single turbo for it and make it absolutely deadly overnight. No, no, probably what I would do. Now, see, I love the Ignis. I think it's a cracking little thing. And I always said, wouldn't it be hilarious if you made like a, 
you got the 1.4 turbo out of the Vitara turbo and put that in there. Not that it would probably fit, but anyway, keeping it in the family. And then I think it was dear Tony O'Kane, who is also a guest on uh, Which Car Weekly quite frequently, said, no, Dan, that would be an absolute death trap because the suspension, particularly the rear suspension on the Ignis, is uh, basically deadly. So what I would do is I would make, because I love the front end on the Ignis, it's a very cute looking thing. I think I'd do a proper track spec dumped with, if I could shoehorn in a 1.4 Vitara turbo engine. I've got 14 grand to play with here and it's still a new car. So I will be going a lot longer than all your modified with 150,000 Ks on it. Well, I take your, I take your idea and raise you, Dan, because you're going to spend 14 grand on uh, a turbo. I'm going to spend 14 grand on the lightest fiberglass composite panels. I'm going to strip out my Ignis. I'm going to leave it stock, guaranteeing oh, extra yes. reliability. It's going to weigh 320 kilograms. <laughs> and we're going to have a race. <laughs> oh, my God. It'll be, like be like the world's worst episode of Carnage. Okay, I can imagine you putting all the, all the lightweight panels on your Ignis and it coming in weighing like seven kilos lighter than stock. <laughs> <laughs> it actually comes out heavier. <laughs> uh, I, but I do like, I love the way the Ignis looks. But it always looks like it should be rear-wheel drive. It's got kind of those fat haunches. Mm. Um, there's a ball. See, look at that. Um, it's got those fat rear <laughs> haunches on it. That suggests yeah. rear drive, but then you always look underneath it, and there's nothing underneath it. Basically, not even any suspension. So, um, yeah, that's right. So imagine if I, you could fill those arches out with really fat tires, and then you know maybe okay. Well, while we're at it, we'll put a rear engine in there as well, make it twin yeah. engine. We'll just make um, it like a Clio V6. Yeah, yes, it looks like it's a blank canvas. That car, I promise you, it needs a lot of work. All, but it, if we do all the work ourselves, special. if we do all the work ourselves, surely we can go under thirty grand. Oh, my labour rates are virtually criminal. So yes. <laughs> they are actually criminal. Yeah. <laughs> so is the quality of the work. But yeah, we'll talk about right. that. Yeah. It's only us driving it, so that'd be all right. Talk, talk, talking of cheap cars that are going fast, now how's, uh, how's your BMW, Dan, with, a, with its false induction system? Is that up and running? Oh, it, it, against all the odds uh, and some kind of automotive god intervention it is actually yes my delightful uh, 318 is that i've owned for 10 years um has a supercharger now so it's um it's better than ever and Not that's really? a little project of mine yeah yeah it does yeah it's got a it's got an eaton am 45 off of mini cooper s that i bolted onto it and that's it so now cool. makes far too much power yeah yeah it's um just been a little pet project i've been tinkering away on um and now with you know uh restrictions to stay home as much as possible it was kind of the the, the tipping point really and it's, it's done so it's now running and so how many donuts and, uh, have you done in the underground car park <laughs> i'm worried i'm just going to blow it up so i'm driving it a bit very gently just to see if it can actually take <laughs> isn't that terrific car enthusiast i've just spent like 12 hours and thousands of dollars making my car <laughs> faster and now i'm too scared to drive it fast so i drive it slower than ever <laughs> no, I, I will. I'm building up to it. I just don't want to go on its maiden voyage and blow it up there and then. I want to get a bit of mileage out before I go ballistic. I started polishing my R31. We're still on totally off topic now, but whatever. It's uh, we're in isolation, so I yeah. Exactly. I bought a, uh, I bought a, you know, a rotary polisher and stuff like that, and a magic mop. And try. That's right. <laughs> I've got a squeegee. Um, I keep paying myself fifty cents. Um, and then, uh, but it's good. It's it's gonna not look like a thirty-year-old dump. It's gonna look like 
I don't know, a 25 year old dump, but it's actually coming out quite well. It's very satisfying <laughs> giving some love to these old cars that have put up with us for so long. Yes, um, it, and it, when it, all this is over, yeah. I want to. I want to see your shiny dump, Scotty. Okay. <laughs> I will show you. I'll give you a close up of my shiny dump. Oh, <laughs> the magic of it! Oh god, that will not make an episode of Witch Car Weekly. I can tell you. <laughs> oh go. god, right. well that's a very good moment to move on as quickly as possible because there's only one direction that conversation is going. Let's have a chat. Let's t- let's change tack completely now, guys. From affordable performance to completely ridiculous, unaffordable performance. Koenigsegg is a brand that we don't give much um, coverage for on Which Car Weekly, um, for no good reason. It just doesn't seem to come up in the news all that often, other than for when it uh, produces or reveals something utterly ridiculous. And that's kind of what this Swedish company has built a reputation for doing, is, is revealing these cars that really do what we thought previously impossible. So um, it started off, uh, with the CC, its concept, first concept, which everyone said would just be a pipe dream, will never make it to production, and lo and behold, it did. And since then, have followed a series of ever more absurd road cars. And we should really talk about them more because if we paid attention at the start and followed their trajectory, we could have predicted really where we are now. I just suppose we just didn't believe it. Um, so. Where are they now? Let's talk about the state of the company and, and where it's at now. And then ultimately, I suppose the, the, the question I want to boil down to is how has it done it when so many other companies have tried to start these fledgling sort of disruptor supercar companies and, they, and we always know they're going to fail, but Koenigsegg somehow has bucked that trend. How? Well, it started... I, I think mean, it, uh, a lot of it is down to the corporate ph- philosophy, isn't it? It's Christian von Koenigsegg's vision. He was never a guy who was about to say, well, I'm going to build this car and I'm going to put a 4.6 litre Mustang V8 into it. Mm-hmm. Um, his scope was always wider. Very clever guy, I really. I mean, I think most of the, a lot of the technologies have come, uh, you know, maybe he didn't create them. He had the idea and then his engineering core go and create them. Um, like Dan said, it started off with, I mean, you know you're crazy when your first car, the least crazy car, the CC8, had 655 horsepower, could run on biofuel and did 380 kilometers an hour. That was their starting point and they've only got sillier from there. Um, I mean, they're about about to change tack though, I think. And well, they're gonna try anyway, because until now they haven't been hugely relevant because they've been making tiny numbers of very boutique hypercars for extremely wealthy individuals. You know, they make what, five cars, 10 cars a year. they now have plans to sort of go into the thousands, I believe. Um, and I'm told that they've taken over Saab's production facilities in Sweden um, that are now no longer, no longer used, obviously, since Saab the bit, bit the dust. So they actually have that production capacity. They'll keep making their super ridiculous, you know, six, $8 million hypercars at their current facility, but they'll move this sort of more higher volume stuff into the Saab facilities. Um, they released a concept of this called the raw recently it's quite exciting it's 700 kilos 700 horsepower uh two liter three cylinder turbocharged engine making 700 horsepower um and you know affordable it's going to be apparently about one and a half two million but oh affordable yes exactly (laughs) exactly um i'm gonna buy seven uh and then they will they should come to australia because what may be a small known fact koenigsegg has 
two dealers in Australia. Yeah, Is one, that right? One in Melbourne. Where's the other one? Lawbeck you know? and uh, yeah, so the Lawbeck in Melbourne and there's one in Sydney. I can't remember where it is at the moment, um, but they're going to have they're going to have a technician on site. And he's asking gonna... for a friend. It has to be said. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, they're going to have a technician on site. They're going to have uh, you know full support backup and that sort of stuff because there are a couple in Australia. If you go past Lawbeck's Melbourne showroom, you'll see a couple of Koenig's eggs, and then that orange CCX has been in the country for god ten years or so. Um, but they do sort of have plans. They were originally going to try and set up a Koenigsegg dealer here. And then they kind of did the sums and went, mm, we, we can't really justify that. So, uh, they got into bed with Lorbeck, um, like Pagandi did with Zagami. So yeah, I mean, most people don't know because it's not hugely relevant to most people, but they do actually have an Australian presence. So that will only get bigger if these plans come to fruition. And so if you're selling a car with the seat in the centre, you don't have to worry about left-hand drive, right-hand drive, presumably. Yeah, presumably, yeah, because that roar is, it is like the McLaren F1. It's the sort of triangle arrowhead shape, uh, three-seater, so. Now, the, um, the design team behind that roar um, is independent of um, Koenigsegg, I think, isn't it? It was, uh, uh, oh, it's actually raw design, isn't it? I think it's where, yeah. where it came from. Yeah, um, I think they're affiliated, but be... yeah, not... Um, not I think they're affiliated, but yeah, you're not. You're right. It's not a Koenigsegg thing per se. Yeah, and I, I really, when I saw it for the first time, I wanted to be that typical journalist who says, "No, nah, I don't like it," and fold my arms. But it totally won me over from the from the first second. And it, if you had to find a car that was visually representative, as Andy says, of the disruptive and different way that the entire company has has paved its history, then that is what you'd expect to find a car looking like. It's so different, but but not like these stupid, you know, ultra low volume, unfeasible companies, most of which come out of the UAE. They make a car and it's clearly been designed by the guy who's got all the money and so, and so therefore knows nothing about how to design cars and only how to drill oil. Um, it looks bloody fantastic. And I only hope that whatever this, lo this low cost Koenigsegg ends up looking like, it's a lot like the Raw because it is utterly stunning. What I really love about it is... I mean, the future of performance, we keep seeing these electric hypercars come out. Like, you know, we've got the Lotus Avaya and the Pininfarina Batista. You know, they've all got 2,000 horsepower and everything. This is so clever. It's, it feels like not just a solution for Koenigsegg, but almost a solution for the industry because it's, it's 700 kilos, so it's super light. It's super frugal, three-cylinder, yet it can fit three people in it. And it can run on biofuel. Like it can essentially run, okay, so it's an internal combustion engine. So people will go, oh, well, that's old hat. But it's an amazing bit of engineering, this sort of free valve, three-cylinder engine that can run on alcohol fuels, which, of course, don't produce anything like the nasties that you do from uh, like oil-based fuels, petrochemical fuels. So it, it's not like it's a outdated you know, technology for, for zillionaires, it's relevant to probably everybody. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. an intriguing thing, isn't it? I, I just love the way that it looks so minimalist and shrink-wrapped mm. around its, its wheelbase. It's, it's a real lovely piece of packaging. And, you know, I'm not, are they going to fit that direct drive system into it, do you know? 
I don't know if that's in the. It's, I know it's in the Gamera, which you can get to that force, yes. and presumably, yeah. presumably it will. Eh, for the lightness and the packaging, um, unless they can use. I mean, we might as well get to it now. But every car they've had. The, I think the great thing about Koenigsegg is once they got over that initial building of supercars, they went into amazing technology. Like I've got a few notes because it's very complicated. So. We had the Regera, which came out, which had no transmission. That's what we're talking about. They've got this hydraulic coupling, which slips, and there's no gearbox. It's just direct drive with a hydraulic coupling to get you moving. Uh, and then we had a Yesco, which is the other option, which is a light speed transmission. So it's like a dual clutch, but it's got multi clutches. And the computer um, senses, figures out which gear is needed at any one time for any of the speed and revs and everything. So it pre selects that gear. So it can basically change to any gear at any time, essentially instantly. Whereas a dual clutch can only God, go one way. Or brilliant, the other. isn't it? Um, Absolutely brilliant. And then we've got the Gamera, which introduced this tiny two-liter three-cylinder free valve engine. So it doesn't have any camshafts. With that direct drive, that you know gearbox with no gearbox, essentially. So they've got now, I suppose, they've got the runs on the board that they can cherry pick um, yeah, the yeah. technology they and need that, for each and application. That free valve- yeah, that free valve engine, um, if you're released from, you know, the discipline of having a camshaft, you can run, you know, Otto cycle, Miller cycle, Atkinson, whatever the hell you want Yeah. for any given condition. Yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting tech. And this is, it's not pie in the sky. So this it's, car, it's, um, works. it's, uh, I like it mostly because it's, it's, if it's a disruptive, cheap car that can run on alcohol, it's the automotive equivalent of me it's brilliant <laughs> yeah expensive yep yep hopefully it's, hopefully yeah, it's, it's a bit hopefully it's a bit lower maintenance though <laughs> oh, it could only it can only be can't it i mean you're looking at the epitome of high maintenance i'm just looking here it's got um it's got three hourly service intervals so yeah that, it's yeah yeah it's um very like dan there in its maintenance schedule yeah three hourly service does that mean it needs to be serviced every three hours yeah like you dan yeah yeah does it actually is that no, it's not, no, not what really. it requires <laughs> no. i was gonna say that's just bloody ridiculous <laughs> this wonderful company coming up with all these amazing pioneering technologies well, they the, Koenig, the, the first hurdle aren't they the Koenigsegg dealer is going to be very busy very busy you drive out <laughs> you drive out of the servicing out of the dealership you turn around and drive back in again <laughs> 700 yeah. horsepower from a from a two liter turbo engine it's crazy you know we've just been driving that mercedes a45 and now that's 310 kilowatts which is what just over 400 horsepower yeah um you know that is an incredible technical achievement that engine this koenigsegg thing knocks it into a cocked hat doesn't it i know it's got all this sort of clever it's got the uh it's got those i think the bugatti chiron uses them as well they're like twin stage turbos so it's got the turbo's got two flaps on it, so sends all the gases through one. So basically, turbo's the turbo, I guess. It sends all the... Uh, there's, there's two paths, but it sends all the gases through one to really spin up the uh, uh, first turbo. And then when you, get, when you need enough boost, it, spins, uh, it diverts and engages both turbos. So, you know, theoretically, you'd go, oh, well a 700 horsepower two liter engine that's going to have a power band of a thousand RPM from like seven to eight. But with this tech, A, getting rid of the camshafts and B, this twin stage turbo charging, theoretically, 
it should um i think it makes starts making like 80 percent of peak torque from 1700 rpm or something like it's remarkable and they can always obviously chuck an e-motor on that to give it a further kick up the bum so um go koenigsegg well done yeah um there's two things that that strike me about this so the first one is um if they're if they're funding projects like this to develop and this this the company doesn't have a, a pool of existing engines it can modify and continually um, refine and, and develop. It has to come up with this technology basically from scratch, which must be the most profoundly expensive exercise you can imagine. So this company is putting absolute faith, it, it, at least in hybrid applications, the future of combustion engine. When virtually all other companies like look at Volvo, it's come down to basically one engine. Um, you know, all the, they're, they're, they're pairing back everything they have where Koenigsegg is saying no 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 we, we, there's still enough life in combustion power for us to be developing them pretty much right now well I the think way they're doing it is very smart isn't it they're introducing this tiny compact little internal combustion power plant so that can always work in concert with electric drive and if, if they're starting to sell that to you know third parties it puts them in an enormously strong position and that's the thing and the other thing that i was gonna say if you could um you know unless internal combustion is actually legislated out of existence which is possible but Mm. you have to think that no matter what the drive cycle is in terms of emissions a two liter three-cylinder engine running on biofuel with electrical assistance is surely going to walk in any any possible drive cycle they could they could think up anyway like surely you know if you're going to use the performance i'm sure it will use a lot of fuel regardless because that's what you know if you need power you want fuel but if it's just idling along with this direct drive clever transmission and everything like that like Mm. i can i can i could well believe it if they came out and said their official figure was something like you know two and a half litres per 100k or one and a half litres per 100k um, in terms of actual fuel consumption. So, yeah, especially if it's only pushing 700 kilos around. Can you imagine it as a range extender? Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look yeah. at other companies like Mazda that's experimenting with a new form of its rotary engine to come back as a, as a you know, hybrid motor. And, you know, even some, uh, there was that bonkers, was it Ariel that were looking at using a turbine, gas turbine engine as a range extender or hybrid mm. motor? You know, this, these technologies, range extension and, and true hybrids, do bring back into um, the possibility sphere some engines that have been completely written off many years ago because they, they couldn't be directly coupled to a transmission and to the wheels. Now, of course, that's all different. Yeah, I mean, we remember that, I don't know if you ever drove it, the, Chevy, uh, the Holden Volt, Chevrolet Volt. That was a fantastic car. The concept behind that car was great. Just the trouble with that car was it used the, you know, old 1.8 litre GM nail as the range extender, which was noisy and not very efficient and something like that and stuff like that. So if you, if you just took that concept and fitted a cutting edge, power plant you know like a tiny what 600 cc turbocharged engine or supercharged engine or something like that you would you'd almost never have to use the fuel because of the batteries and then if you did you'd be using next to nothing of it not that it matters at the moment because fuel's 85 cents a liter and we can always always go back to driving v10s 
And therein lies the genius of my supercharged BMW project. See, I've basically got both in one car. It could be turned into some kind of range extender, or it can just continue being the absolutely impractical gas guzzling maniac it is right now because fuel's basically free. Or you can get Bless the coronavirus. Or you can buy another engine on eBay and then have a twin supercharged V8 318IS. Then <laughs> <laughs> Gold. Oh, gentlemen, this is why we get together and discuss these things because that's where the absolute the, the gold comes together. Well We're done. Solving Thank the world's that. problems. Um, and, and with that, it seems like an appropriate moment to bow out for another week, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us for another instalment of Witch Cover Weekly. Uh, in the meantime, don't hesitate to get in touch through our various social media channels and of course the website is always there for all the latest news witchcar.com.au we will do this all again in approximately but not guaranteed another week gentlemen until then stay safe Just keep doing the right thing and i can't wait until we can all get out on the road and drive these stupid cars we've been hypothesizing about <laughs>